I'm Matt, and I'm a Pistons fan. This is my Uncle Drew. Hello. Welcome to Emo Town. Okay, last game that happened since the last time we did a podcast that we didn't already cover on a podcast, Pistons versus Bucks, part 437 of just this young season. So uh, uh, I have five <laughs> quick points from that game that I'd like to discuss that I think are very important. Not all of them are about the Pistons, though. Uh, Bobby Portis, I feel like he's found a real home and a real role there it's there in Milwaukee, and I think that that's I, I mean I, it, it's good to see let's just be honest. Um, uh, the second point is that uh, the bucks are really good. Uh, the third point is that the bucks are excellent. Uh, point number four, <laughs> I hate the bucks. Uh, point number five. Could we be done with them forever, please? Those are phenomenal points. I like all of them. Do you have any any legitimate basketball-related thoughts about that game, Drew? <laughs> Matt, I have genuine basketball knowledge provided by ESPN. Would you like to oh, hear it? I would love to hear it. ESPN, about halfway through that game, decided that they were going to give me what I like to call a LeBron stat. A LeBron stat is... LeBron James is the only person to score 30 points with five assists on a Tuesday after coming from a back-to-back <laughs> against the Suns. And we got one of those for the Pistons, which usually we don't get that kind of coverage. But Jeremy Grant was the first player to score 250 points with 10 or less turnovers on a new team. Hey! So, Jeremy Grant, look at you go. Uh, very awesome to see a LeBron stat for you. You know, you're getting the recognition you deserve. Maybe we'll get a nod for the All-Star game. Uh, but that is it, man. That is, that's, that's Pistons-Bucks right there. That was pretty much the most exciting part of that game. Not every game that the Pistons play this year is going to be as exciting as this young season has been for us. I know that they don't have a lot of wins, but at least they've been in a lot of the games. And this one just didn't seem uh, like one of those games. But, but, of course, with Derrick Rose out and Killian Hayes injured, DeLon Wright played 32 minutes for some reason and went one of 10, and that kind of kept us out of it. So, Hey, you know what? I have uh, uh, a legitimate basketball thought about your legitimate basketball thought about Jeremy Grant. All right. What do you got for me? Eat it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Eat it, Drew. Uh... Oh, it's great to to hear you say that. It's It's great to hear you say that because as I'll probably insert here, I won't insert it. I'll just do it. I knew. Anyway. uh, So, um, okay. Do you have any other legitimate basketball thoughts about the Bucks game? I love what you're bringing because I was just so – you're right that, like, it didn't seem like much of a game. I know that we only lost by nine, but anybody who watched the game and didn't just look at the box score, and you might even be able to tell from the box score, we'll see that it was like a, it was like a mercy rule nine. Like we kind of came back at the end. It was a garbage time nine. It was it was a, that was more like an eighteen point game. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean like the, the only thing that you could focus on in the box score. Where's where's my microphone on this thing? Here we go. Only thing that needed to be focused on. Was if you look, uh, Sico Demboya didn't play. Yeah. So-
let's move on to Pistons Heat. Um, uh, great game, if you consider, you know, Jimmy Buckets and Tyler Hero and Avery Bradley not playing. Uh, great game by the Pistons. It's it's hard to lose when you shoot 50%. So uh, they had 34 assists with that. It was an all-defensive game with nine steals and eight blocks. Uh, and Grant had four of them. So uh, so what do you think? What, what, what was your take on Pistons Heat? Uh, well, Grant, I think, I think that was his best game as a Piston. Oh, absolutely. Wasn't his highest scoring game. He had six assists um, on the like live breakdown of the game last night. I mentioned that we were seeing in real time the evolution of him as a playmaker, his passing ability, his court awareness. We're seeing the evolution of that in real time. Because if you go back to the first couple of games of his hot streak, it was a lot of... Uh, runaway train to the basket and that's great and that's how he's still going to score a lot of points so I, that's that's part of his game so that's great but the passes often were they, they they didn't come maybe when they shouldn't have came and there were also times where the ones that did get thrown out were like at somebody's feet really he's already in the air and it's too late to do and there was that's not what you're seeing anymore you're seeing somebody who knows that he might have to make the decision to pass and, and keeps that in the, like in the back of his mind or in the front of his mind or whatever it is. Like you're, you're seeing in real time, like it started a couple of games ago. You really got to see it in the heat game last night. He was playing his kickout game was awesome. And uh, the other part was that his, uh, his like paint floater game, he doesn't always have to get to the basket to score these days. He can really his his paint floater game is just coming together right in front of our eyes. When so. I check my notes, there are two little checks: one double clutches, two floaters. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's really doing a great job of not only getting to the basket but finding the best way to finish while he's there. Yeah, he sure is. And 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 looking for, looking for his teammates and. I mean, we can sit here and we can talk about Jeremy all day, you know, it, and it's, it's, it's like the brightest spot. I, I mean, as a Pistons fan, it's like the brightest spot we've had in a long time to look at Jeremy Grant and be like, that man legitimately is playing like an all-star, like a legitimate all-star. Right. His capability is his potential, even at 26 or 27, I think he's 27. It's still really high. You see, still, because this is his first opportunity to be this player. So there's still opportunity to grow into it. And we're going to, like I said before, we're going to get to watch it. And uh, we have been watching it. And it's been a pleasure. It's been one of the things that's made all these losses a lot easier to watch. It's just watching the maturation yeah, of this a, game. We get a fraction of the way into the season here now. And, uh, you know, beginning was, can, can Jeremy Grant... Uh, can he be this guy with Derek and Blake Griffin? And now it's been more of what can we give Jeremy Grant? Nothing about anybody else, but what can we provide Jeremy Grant with to help us to succeed? At least that's where my mind's immediately starting to go to now, because he is definitely going to be the future, you know, all-star of this team for the next three years. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Those, those are no, my, it, those it, are my big takeaways from Pistons heat. Uh, it, so it, it I have just, a question. A yeah. I have a question for you about Pistons Heat. 
Uh, do you think that? Do you think that the Heat might need Derrick Rose? I think that the Heat need Jimmy Buckets, Tyler Hero, and Avery Bradley. I, I, I think that, you know, when you look at this game as a whole, they were missing some some shooting power, and that's fine. But when you look at their season overall, yes, I do. Overall, their season is just not shaping up to the way that you would expect it to be. And, and maybe they've got a little bit of a hangover from uh, going to the finals last season. And, you know, that happens in every sport. But in most cases, they can still kind of, by 10 games in, you're starting to get your legs underneath you. And they're just not yet. And they maybe, maybe they are missing a piece. I mean, clearly they were in the finals. Maybe they need somebody else to kind of get them over that hump. They've got Andre Iguodala, and he's a phenomenal – Udonis Haslam, who's been there forever, it seems. They've got mm. great veteran presence, but it doesn't hurt to add a little bit more, plus a little bit more depth at that point guard position. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Derek go to a contending team. I'd be very happy for him. Uh, just curious about what we would get in return for him. I would want that uh, KZ Akpala. <laughs> fellow yeah, uh, he's, that he's young, playing good basketball that young gentleman who uh torched us in the first quarter last night i'll take him um and uh no i i was just curious if, if you thought that because you it's it's not an original thought for me that he might go to the heat that's been in sports publications like the bleacher report and stuff like that so that's that's just something i read somewhere else and just wanted to ask you if you thought that it might be a uh, a legitimate fit for him so pistons heat is also the game on monday do you have any i i don't really have i don't want to preview it too much because i I don't know who's going to be playing and, and I don't yeah. want to, and, and it's, it's an, it's an unfortunate situation and we hope everybody's going to be okay. Uh, and, um, but yeah, so I don't want to preview it too much other than to say that the heat, if it's the same heat squad that we played uh, last night, then, you know, the Pistons might pick up their fourth win. We might not, you know, like I'm not yeah. trying to guarantee anything or anything like that. We, they might pick up their fourth win. Yeah, I mean, everything comes down, squad. of course, as to who's playing. Bam Adebayo is averaging uh, 18 and 9. He is, he is such a great player. When, when the Heat moved on from, from Hassan Whiteside, I'd questioned who was going to fill that role. And, of course, Bam Adebayo eventually uh, steps in at their, at their position. And he has just played so very good. I love watching him play. Um, so he's going to be the difference maker, I think. If we get our fourth win or not, it's going to come down to how well he plays, or better yet, how well we, we cover him between Plum Dog Millionaire and, of course, Beef Stew. So. Well, Isaiah Stewart did a great job oh, last yeah. night. He, he had his first double-double, but beyond that, it was seven offensive rebounds, and most all of them, not all of them, but most of them, came against Adebayo. And the way he, they locked each other up, most of the time, Beef came out on top in that, so... Yeah. Uh, that's great. He's just as such far a as scrappy player, and that's you know I, know I could be talking about Bam or or Isaiah, both yeah. just very scrappy players. It's it gives you that old school vibe for basketball, uh, which which is cool, which is more closer to you know the basketball that you were used to watching. So uh, we got the Hawks and Rising Star Trey Young Wednesday. He scored twenty nine on us in our last meeting, but of course there was no Derek Rose or Killian Hayes. Uh, what are your expectations for our defensive game plan against him? 
Uh, no, Killian was in that game. Actually, Plus, Derek. Oh and yes, Blake, I'm sorry. Derek Blake, and Blake yeah, were no, out. Yeah, Blake. Killian Blake. did play. You know, that, that's when we had all of our rookies playing, and that yes, was a good game. It, it was a good game, and I don't know exactly. I don't. I don't know exactly what the. Uh, with I mean, it's going to be Delon Wright for most of the game, right? Uh, you're gonna and Derek Rose maybe that's the big question mark here. And I know it's not just because they didn't play last time. It's because last time it was uh, the second night of a back to back. Yeah. This time it will be the third game in five nights in the middle of a stretch that's five games in eight nights. Seems like the Pistons are playing every other night right now. Yeah, they are next week. They're literally playing every other night next week. So it's uh it's a little bit silly and i i that's why i think we're actually that's one of the reasons why uh we're going to be, i think we're going to see a little bit of like frank jackson's also injured so yeah. this makes things really interesting i think we might see a little bit of save and lee this week which you know is is something i'm always interested in i'm always down for i always want to see what he can do the last game the first game that he got into was against the Bucks, and he had a bunch of interesting little floaters. None of them fell, uh, and that's. And, and, but I don't care usually whether they fall for the, the young guys getting into the. It's great if they do, of course, but yeah. young guy getting into their first action, I'm not so worried about how they, like whether the shots go in or not. I'm worried about how well they get their shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, so, you know, I'm, I'm having a weird question, by the way. It came to me, and I'll do it in the middle of the podcast. That's fine. Do does do the matchups always look like this? Or is it because of coronavirus? They're trying to just play teams so quickly. Like, it seems like we play box, 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 in, heat, heat, heat. It almost seems like a baseball schedule. It's like, oh, yeah, you, that's. Is that because of coronavirus? Or is that normal? I feel like I've never noticed that before. It's definitely because of coronavirus. I thought so. And I wasn't yeah, they, totally sure, but I was like, it, it seems like a baseball schedule. We got heat last game. We got heat coming in again. We're getting ready to do the Bucks again, even though we were just playing them. So I, I wasn't totally sure um, uh, what was going on. Or, well, of course, we already played the Bucks, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. No, def- No, dude, you're, you're right on. It, it is like a baseball schedule. They've mentioned it on TV in passing a couple of times. Moments it's really easy to miss. That it's basically like a baseball schedule, and the uh, the coaches like it. Dwayne Casey likes it. He says he feels like it's a playoff environment all the time, and it's a good way for uh, the young players to learn because they have the opportunity to make adjustments the against the players yeah. that they just failed against. You know what I mean? They have an opportunity to come right out and, and try and work on their adjustments while it's still fresh in their minds. So I, you know, I don't love the whole COVID thing, obviously that's awful, but I, I like that. Uh, I like this schedule. I do like the schedule. Yeah. I, mean, I hope they we're... consider doing it in the, in the future. Yeah. So, uh, in latter news, unfortunate news, of course, we've got Christian Wood coming back to Detroit Friday. Uh, and then the Rockets and John Wall look to lead Whitney Houston to a post-hardened W. Um, what are you thinking, man? Even if you don't talk so much about – I love it. You know I love the Whitney Houston. If, if we don't talk so much about Christian Wood, how, what do you think about John Wall? Do you have expectations for him this game? Uh, you know – I'm sick of talking about Christian Wood. Uh, John Wall, I haven't really been paying attention. It's, 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 I've heard that he, he doesn't look like he did when he was clearly not John Wall anymore. Yeah. So uh, it, the Rockets aren't doing very well. 
but there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of craziness going on over there. Um, hopefully that's kind of over now. I think that we'd but... be doing a disservice if we didn't just briefly touch quickly on the on the big trade, we'll call it. Sure. Because, of course, sure. James Harden is now on the Nets, and the Nets seemingly pulled a Net Celtics trade. Now, I know they didn't get old Paul Pierce and old Kevin Garnett. They did get James Harden, but they traded their future and then some. Yeah. They traded yeah. almost every pick or at least swapped. And Houston's got an opportunity to build something. Now, if they're going to build that around Boogie Cousins and John Wall and Christian Wood and, and try to put pieces that are around them or who they're going to focus it around, because, no, John Wall has not looked like Wizards John Wall. He has not played a lot of basketball the last two years. So I, I, I will say this. I hope the Pistons can beat the Rockets. I know we're not going to talk too much about Christian Wood. I, I really hope that he has a great game, but it just isn't enough to get them past us. But I also hope that John Wall has a great game because I, I got no reason to dislike the guy. I think that he's just trying to figure it out again. Um, yeah, and and this could be a good game for him to do that. But I, I of course, want to see Detroit win. So, uh, so do you have any any thoughts about? And first of all, I I agree with you completely. Like that, the assessment of the whole Rockets thing and the the assessment of the whole trade thing. It seems like they got an awful lot. Uh, do you have any thoughts about like what might happen with all this? Did you okay? Did you see the Karis Levert during the examination involved in the trade? Because all these trades they involve medical exams. Yeah, he got an MRI and they found a mass on his kidney. I did not see this. So that portion of the trade is not happening right now. But and normally, this is the weird thing, man. Because normally, like you wouldn't be able to probably push a trade through until. Everybody had already had all these things done. So it's it's a little strange to me that James Harden's James already, already played, played a game yeah. for the Nets. Yeah. Yeah. James Harden has already played a game a good for the game, Nets. by the way. I think he scored 32 points. And, and I'm sure Victor Oladipo was already on his way to Houston. But now that part of the trade – so Victor Oladipo is still technically – a member of the Indiana Pacers because that portion of the trade can't go through. But, but like they needed to move Karis Levert's salary to accommodate. Can James this Harden, whole thing right? unwind? Like I'm, I mean, I can, right? I don't know. I, he's already played a game. I don't know if it matters. He's already played a game. So I, I just, I'm, I'm ignorant, dude. I'm just asking like, this is all going to be really silly if somebody listening to this goes like, "Dude, they've already talked about this on ESPN today." I, I don't. I don't anybody have listening, ESPN, of so course, on Twitter, feel not. free to just go ahead and, and throw it at us because uh, I'm also uh, uneducated on what happens. I, I'll say this: I know that the trade can unwind. It has to, even though he's played a game. It's not like a no gives these backsies. We got him now. If one part of that trade doesn't go through, but here's here's the thing: what you talked about. None of thing he should not have played. None of this should have happened until all of it was medically cleared. Typically, that's how it works. Yeah, they and, have to pass the medical stuff and before it goes on. Hurt. Wow. I hope it's not cancer. Obviously, we all hope it's not cancer. We all hope that he's okay. That's crazy. He's such a young man. Uh, you know, 
I, 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 you know, can't, as you know, Drew, and not everybody needs to know how or why there's some cancer in my family and stuff like that. And like, I always get a little bit like whenever anybody I know or feel like I know, because I watch them play basketball or something like that, if I find out they have cancer, I'm always like, Oh man, I say a little prayer. Cause it, it just makes me feel like maybe like a little less bad about it or whatever. Uh, and makes me feel like maybe that kind of thing actually helps. And, and so that's good. But uh, so, you know, obviously prayers to, to Karis and, and his family and everything, but uh, that's just, that's, that's nuts, right. man. It's nuts. I don't, I, it doesn't, I've never heard I, not to say it's never happened, Drew. I don't know everything about all the four major sports. I've never heard. It sounds like some some shit that would happen in baseball. To be honest with you, if it's ever <laughs> happened before, it's probably happened there. But uh, I've never heard of a trade where like it got undone after somebody had right. already. I have heard it. of them going through. They're like, "Yep, the trade is done." Just pending the medical reviews. They do the medical review. It doesn't check out, and they're like, "Nope, we're not doing it." Never to the point where the players have actually already begun playing. I don't know how Harden has already gone through his coronavirus protocol I, I you would think he'd have to just go through a whole new one yeah and just take the whole break even though he was just playing or whatever i i, I don't know uh, they're traveling from city to city so i don't think just traveling from city to city would uh mean you'd have to go on a different on a new quarantine like, or else they'd have to i know it sounds silly to time. Think, well, we gotta like pack all your stuff up and and maybe you got movers i i, I don't know i don't you just yeah, no, I it legitimately, but they take a test every this day too. Yes, so you know, so and hopefully they're good tests. Uh, we got the Seventy Sixers who haven't they didn't their game was canceled today. So hopefully, again with all the COVID stuff, I don't want to say anything bad about these guys, but like you know, hopefully we're able to play the game. Hopefully everybody's okay. I don't want to make not say anything bad. I just mean I, I don't want to make light of the right. situation. It's very serious. And so, like, hopefully we're able to play. Hopefully everybody's okay. Well, again, um, it will be the fifth game in yes, eight it's nights. The second game the of a back-to-back as well. And it, right. it, they're going to be tired. I'll say this. My initial thoughts when I think about playing the 76ers and Joel Embiid, this is another chance for Isaiah Stewart to show where he looks more like a starter. Not that Mason Plumlee isn't deserving of being a starter, but I, okay. I think it's going to help his brand. Because he played great against Bam. I think he's going to do it again when they play here. And, okay. and I think that if he plays well against Joel Embiid, and I don't mean if he goes out and scores, you know, if he gets a double-double, whatever. If he stops Joel Embiid from putting up as much points as he typically should, Isaiah Stewart's going to be looking really good. Because I think his defense is improving a little bit more than his offense already is. Um so I, I, I really think that this is going to be this. And, of course, the next Heat game that we have coming up are going to be crucial points to Isaiah Stewart's young career. Okay. All right. I, I agree completely. I agree completely. I also, uh, just to piggyback on that a little bit, um, I'm hoping maybe because it's the second game in a back-to-back in the fifth and eight nights, we might get to see a little bit of Davidus Servetus sure. and uh, maybe, again, a little bit of Saban Lee. Uh, they're, they're people I'm curious about. Uh, so piggybacking off of, off of this with the, uh, the problems going on with the 76ers and stuff like that, uh, and and the heat right now, should the NBA, my, this is a question I have for you. Should the NBA extend the roster limits to like 
maybe 16 to even 20 guys. You can only sign two-way players, D-League, like G-League players, not not the uh, Lance Stevensons of the world, but like legitimate G-League players. Um, They're they're the guys you can sign in as the extra guys. I think that if the number – here's where I get tough about it. I I think the answer is no. But – they should create easier opportunities to move from the G league. And what I mean is don't just take five guys from the G league and put them under roster and hope that things start to blow over. And then once that's over, send them back. I think that if we know that these couple of guys are not about to play immediately, be able to give these guys a 10 day contract. And, and then just, you know, I, I think that if we just extend the roster and say, yes, every team gets 20 players. Now the G league is going to diminish down to just about nothing. It's going to hurt that, that league's brand. Um, but you know, I did have somebody in mind. I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Pistons sign Dante Hall again. I don't know if you remember, but Hall Hall played for Grand okay. Drive and finished second in double doubles among all players. He's also named to the G League All Defensive and All Rookie Team in the 2019-20 season, and that's when he was called up in February and then again in March by the Pistons. Since then, uh, he played bubble ball for the Nets. And he's back in the G League playing for the Ignite. So I don't know how it totally works if the Pistons only have access to players from, well, what, I don't think they're in Grand Rapids anymore. I think they moved. But uh, if they have access to anybody in the G League or just the Pistons G League team, but that's my thing. I, I think that they should have, just make it simple, make, your, make it so they have access to literally anybody at any time that they can pull up to the league on 10-day contracts, make it easier to get to those. Well, here's the thing, Drew. The G League is only 16 teams deep. I think it's only 16. A, a significant portion of the G League did not go to the G League bubble in Florida. So the Pistons didn't send a G League team. So the uh, Grand Rapids Drive are not playing a season okay. this season. Um, or else uh, guys like LiAngelo Ball would have uh, been playing for the Drive. They signed, they signed yes. him to the, the type of contract he was signed to. If Detroit had a G League team this season, if they sent one to the bubble, Jello would be playing for that team. So uh, Detroit isn't the only team in that situation. There are several. It's probably enough legitimate G Leaguers to fill who, who, who don't have a team right now because of that, who are just working out with their facility, like their staffs or whatever to be called up to any number of NBA teams to boost a roster from, I believe they carry 15 right now to 17 or to 18. That's three times. That's 90 guys. I just feel like it's, it's not out of the question. My biggest uh, concern about it would be six basketball teams. That's that's six. If if you take aren't, Anywhere Play. between three and five guys, doesn't matter. From the G League, the teams that aren't playing, throw them on those rosters, have them learning the offense and doing all that good stuff. What happens if those players are the ones to contract COVID? Well, that's something that everybody who's playing in the NBA is that's a risk they're all playing, they're all taking. And the reason that they decided to have a bubble for the G League wasn't because those players somehow should have protections that regular NBA players don't. It was because they were 
only taking a certain number of teams and it limited the amount of travel that the league was going to have to oversee. So uh, that's that it's, and I'm not saying there aren't reasons not to do this because, and that's why, that's why I specifically said, you know, not guys like Lance Stevenson or whatever, even though he is in the G league, legitimate G leaguers, not guys who've played 10 years in the NBA already. So that teams like the Lakers and stuff like that can't can't take right. advantage of it, uh, but you know it just it gives the opportunity for some of these guys because I I feel bad for the G leaguers who aren't able to play because for instance the Grand Rapids Drive elected not to send a team to the bubble. Those guys are missing a lot of time not to just develop. develop, but I I mean the NBA. NBA scouts are watching the G League religiously. You're not right. getting an opportunity right. to potentially play in the NBA. I mean, sure, you're going to develop and, and become something right. more than you already are. Good for that. That's awesome. But you're not getting your opportunity to get looked at for your big shot if you've never received it. Right. So that's that's tough. Uh, the uh, the memory is is short. If they have to think back to 2019 for the last time they saw you play in the G recency bias must be and then they have to wonder exactly recency bias. exactly you're exactly so i feel bad for some of these teams whose whose parent team decided not to send their g league team to the bubble and uh and now they kind of have their nba futures floating in limbo uh and i'm not saying that you don't feel bad for those guys i'm just saying it's it even though there are logistical nightmares for how to have a guy who technically belongs to the, let's say the Pistons uh, playing for the Raptors, because you know what I'm saying? Because he, we didn't, they didn't send a team we did or whatever. Like it, it could just get a little bit mixed up, but at the end of the day, there's still, if you're playing in the G league, you're still playing basketball, not for the team that owns yeah. your contract. If you are, if your contract is owned by an NBA team, so that risk is still kind of inherent either way. Well, that's the uh, problem too. Of course, not sending that G League, you lose out on on specific players who could get valuable minutes in the NBA. You know, somebody like, oh, I don't know, Sekou Dembouya. Okay. Yep. Drew is worried about Sekou's minutes, so he, we want to. I want you to tell me why. Like this is, I want you to take the wheel here a little bit and kind of tell us Our why you're worried is, about Seku his minutes. Isn't getting the playing time that you would expect to see for a 19 year old developing player. It, it, I know we're just talking about G League, and it's so easy to piggyback into this. He's young. We we've got him signed. He played five minutes against the Jazz, not a second against the Bucks, and and 16 minutes against the Heat. And don't get me wrong, that was nice. It was nice to see him get a couple more minutes against the Heat. But he didn't play a second against the Bucks. Dwayne Casey came out to say that he was trying to keep Blake and Jeremy matched against Giannis as much as possible and claims that Seku works hard and is the first one in the gym. But he wanted to keep Blake and Jeremy covering Giannis. I get what he's saying. But, as we know, Blake isn't the defender that he was before. Jeremy Grant can't stop Giannis. Nobody can. We were never in that game. I know if you look at the box score, it looks like we were. 
We were never in that game. You've got a young player who is starving for these minutes. And the reason that it's going to be a problem is we're taking Blake Griffin, who we're trying to get enough minutes and playing time so he looks like a tradable piece. But if we continue to lose basketball games and he never reaches that like, yeah, he's worth something, come and get him moment, then Seku could be taking another year where he should have been developing and he's going to average eight minutes a game. And he's going to be the same player at the beginning of next season that he was this season because we didn't give him those Blake Griffin minutes. And it's hard to do when we're clogged up at that backcourt. Yeah, sorry, when we're clogged up at the position, basically. But we're going to we're going to end up hindering his ability to show who he actually is because we're so focused on trying to trade Blake Griffin and make him look like the player that he used to be that Saku isn't getting the minutes that he deserves. I, I can't disagree with you, man. Like, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like there's a good reason not to play the kid against Giannis. You don't want to get him to get his uh, his feelings hurt, I guess. I don't mean to make him sound soft because that's not what I mean. I mean, quite literally, these are human beings and somebody who's already not having maybe the season that they were hoping that they were going to have. You don't want them out there to just get in a funk because they got destroyed by Giannis, you know? So you leave him out there for Blake and Jeremy to take care of. And you say that Jeremy can't cover Giannis. No one can. Obviously the emphasis there is that no one can, but Jeremy didn't do so bad. He between Jeremy and beef stew, Giannis wasn't a happy camper during those games. Uh, There's just certain things that you would certain situations where just no human being can stop that man from getting to the basket or getting what he wants. Um, But I, I think that's maybe why you said it yourself while trying to say why Blake shouldn't be covering him. Maybe that's also why Seko shouldn't be I, doing it. I get that. Six minutes, man. Just give me – I know that consistency in minutes yeah. are going to be funny as they go along in this season, this very weird season where we don't know who's playing each night or what games are getting postponed or whatever it is. Six minutes, six to eight. And I know that's kind of what we're trying to avoid because we want him to get more. It was nice to see him double that against the Heat. But in games where you're worried about it hurting his his brand as a person, just give him a couple of minutes because I think that hurts even more. What's worse, getting absolutely obliterated by Giannis or being told that you're not good enough to even try? I don't know. In Detroit, I think getting absolutely okay. obliterated. If you go back to the Brandon – no, no, I'm serious. I just mean with the fans. If you go back to the Brandon Knight – DeAndre Jordan dunk the the reputation that that earned Brandon Knight which he's he's made other mistakes on defense but he has a they call him a bust in Detroit and the dude averaged close to 20 points a game three seasons in a row elsewhere so I don't think he was and he was only here for two years so I don't think he was ever really a bust but let's get back to the matter at hand the DeAndre Jordan dunk on Brandon Knight (laughs) what I saw was I saw a six foot three point guard staring down the barrel of one of the biggest, most freakish athletes in the NBA at that time. And instead of cowering, 
he went up to challenge the shot and got donked on. And everybody just acted like he was some kind of, like, screw-up for getting donked on instead of realizing that there's not a point, there's not a six foot three point guard in the NBA that was going to stop 2012 or whatever it was, DeAndre Jordan from dunking it, in that at situation. At least he went up that's for not, it. I get it. That's not Brandon Knight. He went for the, he tried to make a play. He tried to make a play. Let me paint the picture for you. There's plenty Let of guys the picture who for you. Have. I'm a so, Wilson Celtics fan. Jason Terry is a Boston oh Celtic. They're playing against the Miami Heat, and not any old Miami Heat, but the same team with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron James. And I remember vividly the fast break and Jason Terry sprinting back, and he's covering whomever this was. I want to say it was like Mario Chalmers, maybe. It was that time. And they kicked the ball back, and LeBron dunked on Jason Terry so hard that when Jason Terry hit the ground, LeBron landed on his feet and stood over him, and they gave LeBron a technical. I watched a video on Twitter (laughs) about a week ago of kids making fun of Jason Terry in, like, a Walmart (laughs) about getting dunked on by LeBron. (laughs) Years later, man, just absolutely. They gave LeBron a technical. He stole this man's soul. So I know exactly what you're saying. That is that is a scenario that comes to mind. A week ago, Matt, a week ago, they were making fun of Jason Terry still to this day. It's almost a decade yeah. ago. So, and and that is maybe, like, I think the Brandon Knight thing is even more malarkey than that because he had an opportunity to not be a part of that. Like, he had more, I feel like he, I feel like he was, he had it coming. He, he was staring it down for longer and had the opportunity to chicken out and just, just didn't. didn't, you know, and and he so like yeah, dude. Like I think it's a little bit ridiculous that in Detroit and around the league a little bit, but that in Detroit the, that was some kind of play where he got like he 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 showed some kind of weakness or showed that he wasn't a good player. Like I just saw a dude try I'll to make this. play when he when he knew damn right. well it wasn't going to work. But like, and, what else can you do? You just try. You can't take a charge unless there. you're a player. That I love to make fun of, you know. Anyone who dunks on LeBron, good for you. Good for you if you, you dunk on LeBron. <laughs> but if you're challenging a dunk and you get dunked on, I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. And I would rather yeah. see you get dunked like, on than you just silly. get out of the way and let them just jump and <clears throat> dunk on you. My problem is if you foul them, you don't even challenge the dunk and you foul them and now it's a three-point play and you should have just got the hell out of the way at that point, that's fine. Or that, that, that's a different story. That's not fine. That's a different story. But if you're actually challenging the dunk and you get yammed on, thank you for trying. Thank you for the poster. It will go on my wall. But thank you for trying. Right. I mean, like, it's, just, it's an effort thing, man. And, like, so, so to say, though, that, like, what's worse, getting dunked on by Giannis or not getting into the game for your reputation among Detroit Pistons fans – Maybe getting dunked on by so maybe Dwayne Casey's really in 2030 and we're here in 2021 now. Maybe we just sign him to a longer term contract already. He's just looking out for a second like that, just way in the future about it. What did you could you imagine them in the locker room? Coach is ridiculous. I'm not getting playing time. Listen, dude, let me tell you a story about Brandon Knight. 
<laughs> I hear what you're saying, but let me tell you a story. Ah, uh, dude, about. do you know who Jason dude. Terry is? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Do they have Jason Terry in France? Do they have Jason Terry in France? Uh, so I think now is a good time okay. to take a little break, and, uh, and and we'll come back and we'll play we'll Sounds play like a fun. little game. We couldn't believe this when we got this in the email. Uh, it's from uh, Doc Joe Brown, who does the Pro Wrestling Talk for Pistons fans podcast and is at Pro Pistons on Twitter. He's one of my favorite uh, Pistons podcasters. He's one of my favorite Pistons Twitter personalities. Uh, he's one of my favorite pro wrestling podcasts uh, to follow. It's, it's actually it's the only pro wrestling podcast that I follow with any kind of regularity anymore. I'll still listen to Jericho every now and then, but every time Doc Joe Brown puts out an episode of Pro Wrestling Talk for Pistons fans, I'm right on it first. All right. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Doc Joe Brown, and I'm a Pistons fan. Also, I'm a pro wrestling fan. I host a podcast titled Pro Wrestling Talk for the Pistons fan, but when I just need my Pistons kick, I'm listening to Emotown, hosted by Matt and Uncle Drew. You can find Emotown on all major podcast catchers. Be sure to subscribe, download, and listen. Okay, we're back. So we're going to play a little game. It's called the Trade Balloon Game. And to set the stage for the game, uh, I'm going to I'm going to read a little quote from uh, from General Troy Weaver. When I was growing up, I didn't stick my toe in the pool. I jumped in. I sit at the front of the roller coaster with my hands up. I'm not going to come in and be gun shy. My clip will be empty. Interesting. Very interesting. Can can almost be misconstrued as vague, but Admiral Dwayne Casey also had to say, we're not a finished product of what we are building. So Matt, why don't you break down what the trade balloon is? The trade balloon is basically we have two guys that are in a hot air balloon called the Detroit Pistons. Well, there's more than two guys, but it's come down that these two guys, one of them is going to have to leave. The The balloon cannot handle the weight of both of them. We will all crash and burn and die if one of these guys doesn't get out of the balloon. That's basically the uh, the premise, the the setup is that I will be arguing on behalf of Seko Dumbuya's like merits and reasons to stay a Detroit Piston, and you'll be arguing for Spima High Luke. And, and, and of course, the listeners, just random players that we had chosen. Nobody wants to hear us talk about uh, just random, you know, Derek and 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 Blake Griffin trades, which mine do pertain to a little bit, but you know what I mean. It's it's just random players that we think could make a difference if we just put them nonchalantly in the balloon game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's uh, well, it's, it's not entirely random players, really. I mean, you talked about it earlier today that Siku's not getting minutes. Right. right. So it, it's not entirely random. These are both guys who are, are kind of. Can be rumored to be leaving. Severe the way that he opened the season could be rumored. Sometimes they don't have a role. Yes. Sometimes they don't have a role. 
Spima Hailu barely played against, uh, I think it was against the Heat. He barely played. All right. Are we ready? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first? Let's see what you got. Why are we keeping Sekou Boy over Svima Hailu? Okay. I will tell you why. Sekou has played in 49 total NBA games. His basketball career. So, so you could imagine for me. Let's just let's just you know stick with that for a second. Could you imagine trading if you were a bad team? Your first round pick, even if it was, imagine trading Isaiah Stewart or Sadiq Bay just because they couldn't get on the court. Thirty games from now. Okay. And that's basically what you're talking about with Sekudumbuya. He's got about 40 more games, less than 40, total NBA experience than either of those two guys. So you're talking, and he's and he's he's still the 18th youngest player in the league. So you're basically talking about a player from this year's draft class. You're talking about giving up on him just because in the first 49 games of his career, but still within the first six years, he's even been a basketball player. He's got gobs of potential to be something. He plays a crowded position on this team, even without Blake, potentially. But he's got so much potential to actually turn into something versus the guy on the other side who's in his third season. All of his stats are on the decline. Every single one of them. His shooting percentage, his three-point percentage is down 86 points. His uh, shooting percentage overall is down. He's it's, it's, it's way down, actually, with the same number of attempts per game. His points, so his, uh, his points per game are down in more minutes. He's taking fewer shots per minute, but the same number of shots and hitting fewer of them. Everything about Spima Hailuk seems to be trending down. It's difficult for me to admit that, but... Because I've said that I, I think he's an elite shooter, and I do think he's an elite shooter, but sometimes I don't think he thinks he's an elite shooter. So if anybody else still does think that, and they aren't a part of the Detroit Pistons organization, it might be a good idea to see what you can get for him, because he kind of plays a crowded position too. We've got Derrick Rose, we've got Wayne Ellington, we've got, we've got Sadiq Bay, we've got Josh Jackson. These guys are all guys that can, you can play at the two guard every now and then we've got a young guy in Dave Servetus who might be the same player with a higher potential. He's a better passer rumored room. I, I mean, the rumored rumored to be a better passer and better defender than Svima high Luke is already. So it just seems to me that you have two guys who are going to have trouble cracking the rotation, whether or no matter what, really, at this point. I don't want to give up on the one who's played less than one NBA season. I just don't. And is still young enough to be a part of this draft class. That's the other thing. Still younger than half, more than half the guys drafted this year. 
You know, I, I love that we have the guys that we have because I've told you before that I'm a huge believer in Svi and I know that you think highly of him. And of course, I'm a huge believer in Sekhar Boya. And, and to hear all of this is very valid points. Very valid points. But let me tell you why Svi is the one that we keep. Svi is needed because we know what happens when Rose and Killian Hayes don't play. DeLon Wright plays 32 minutes and he goes one of 10. If the game plan is to have Siku earn his minutes by outperforming seasoned vets, he'll likely find himself in a similar situation to last year where he didn't get a real opportunity to play until game 35. That, of course, came once Detroit realized they were out of the playoff race. So, as we stand now, it appears that Weaver and Casey are content in shoving Demboya until he either forces their hand with his on-court game or until it's clear that the Pistons show they don't have the juice to make it into the postseason. So, the obvious trades on the team seem to be for Rose and Blake Griffin, and I firmly believe they would be traded before a young and inexpensive Seiko Demboya is. But, hypothetically speaking, if Demboya was ever on the chopping block, he would have to be paired with someone with a little bit more contract. So I don't hate the idea of trading Suku and Rose's $9 million contract to the Magic for Markel Fultz. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole with me? Yeah. So I did the trade without Siku, but Markel Fultz is on a rookie contract and signed an extension that is to begin the following season. Therefore, he has what's known as a poison pill contract. Basically, he can no longer be traded for a player making equal money. Instead, his current salary is averaged along with the salaries he is to receive in his extension. And that average becomes his incoming salary for trade purposes. So he's out, his outgoing value for the Magic would be about $12.2 million, while his incoming value for the receiving team would be $15.5 million. And the Magic are also a non-tax team. So because they're sending out between $6.5 and $19.6 million in salary, they're only able to take back $5 million more than the salary they are sending out. And the Pistons can only take back $12.6 million in salary based on the amount they're sending out. So they would have to cut an additional $2.8 million from the Pistons' incoming trade value. And the only successful way to do that is to insert Sikrit and Boya's contract, and you have a successful trade. So this trade provides us with someone to replace Rose and gives us another valuable young piece to hold the fort down until we can see what Killian Hayes becomes after he's, he resumes from his hip injury. So now you've got Markel Fultz. Unfortunately, we have moved on from Sekou Demboya, but we moved on to a young player. Derek Rose can be useful, and so can Sekou Demboya for the Magic. And we get a good point guard that if things don't work out with Killian Hayes, he can still run the offense and, and, and make something. And I think that he would also play well with Jeremy Grant. And that is why Seco Demboya is easily the better trade. He holds more value than Sri Mahailuk does. We don't get much for Sri. I think that we keep him anyway because we're limited at the position. But if we pair Seco Demboya with Derrick Rose and send him to the Magic, it's a win-win situation for both teams. Well, wow, wow. I mean, I'm blown away. That's... I... Whew! I thought we were going to win! I might take the deal. 
you know. It was a lot. I know that but, was a lot. I'm sorry that was so much. No, no, no. Much, it's but. great. It's great. You shouldn't apologize at all. That was great. Uh, I'm, I didn't go that far with, with my defense <laughs> of either guy. I was prepared to defend either one. Uh, but uh, I didn't go that, I didn't go that quite that far with it. But I do have questions about the Markel Fultz thing. Like I said, I might take that deal, but are you concerned at all about it's either an ACL or an Achilles? I think it was an ACL that he just suffered a few games back. So he's out for the season. And I, and I know we're not worried about making the playoffs or anything like that. That's why we're trading away Derek Rose. But are you worried about taking after the Reggie Jackson incident and the whole experience with offering him a contract based on, and he got a contract that, he probably would have gotten in the open market. So it's hard to say that they overpaid, but he didn't end up being able to play the number of games and at the level that he kind of was promising before that, that his play before that was promising. I think if you go back to Marco Fultz being a sixer, he was undervalued. And then of course, uh, as he moved on from that team or I say moved on, but uh, as he moved on from that team, he, he, kind of got a chance to show what he could do. So, of course, the injury has to linger in the back of your mind and question what is going to become of it. But we're not going to make the playoffs this year. We're not. We just signed Frank Jackson, and I'm not saying that he is going to fix our team. I mean that if we trade Derrick Rose, we don't need immediate return. We don't need our return on the investment right now. Sure. Sure, we don't. I'm confident that Markel Fultz could come back from that injury and still got a – I'm going to get hate from this. He can come back from that injury and still have more potential than Killian Hayes at this moment. I know we didn't get to see a lot from him. I know we didn't see a lot from him. Oh, I know. But, but he just hasn't shown us anything yet. I know, man. I know. He hasn't shown us anything yet, but, but think about that because now, and the reason I say this, it isn't so much about what we've seen so much as it is about his injury. Yeah, it's really hard to come back from a knee injury. But that's the same hip injury that Isaiah Thomas got. And look what he became. Oh, man. So we don't even know what we're getting from Killian Hayes when he comes back. He no, was my, already, yeah. <laughs> my he was already a little under completely right. next year. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm looking more at the point guards in college and stuff than I was before. And I was kind of looking more at swing men and maybe uh, that big man out of USC. And, and now I'm thinking more and more about the, the point guards. Um, well, I think – I mean, I think I presented a really solid argument, but I think you presented a really solid plan. I think you won. I thought we were going to win! You know – uh, I, I am concerned about the contract, though, when you have no idea what you're getting when he comes back with, with Fultz. Right. But I'm not saying I wouldn't do the deal. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But like, just from like a, a cap flexibility standpoint, uh, you're taking Seku, who's on a rookie year or a rookie deal, excuse me, and, uh, and, and Derek Rose, who's, whose deal expires at the end of the season. And for then, somebody whom, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I, I would want. Oh man, I don't know what I would want. It's if, a lot of risk, but you know what's funny? 
it sounds like a Troy Weaver trade, doesn't it? It, it kind of does. like something General Weaver would do. I mean, it it's a head scratcher, that's for sure. But it, it does have the ability yeah. to, to have promise. And it prevents us from having to use one of what's going to be a top 10 pick for next season, I would assume at this point. Potential top 10 pick being used on another point guard. Man. Yeah, that's tough. Like I said, I think you win because I think you have the uh, a really good plan here. But at the same time, I do have questions about just how about taking on a contract like that. And and I also kind of have questions about I think the Magic would have to think that they've really got and they, they don't not have something. But let, let's be real, like they they've played really good basketball, but they'd really have to think they have something, I think to or really have to think that there's just no way that Fultz has two really terrible medical conditions that he bounces right. back. You know what I mean? It's just, it just my my brain was initially when I thought about trades in the beginning of the season that Derek Rose had to go to a contender. He had to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if he didn't necessarily go to a top contender? I mean, the Magic are sixth right now. He could help them win right now. And if you sure. put Seko Demboya for somebody to come off the bench – and he'd most likely get more minutes off that bench than he's getting with us. I mean, they've got Terrence Ross. Um, shoot, I know they've got like they, they got a couple of guys, but but he would get more minutes there than he's getting with us. And I think that that would be good for him as well. And it would help the Magic win more games than it would, you know, obviously help us win right now. But we're not making the playoffs anyway. If anything, it's God. I hate to tank. It gives it gives us a higher pick in next year's draft. Well, sure, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, I I think you win. I thought we were gonna win. Uh, the only the only thing that I could really come up with to kind of bolster mine a little bit is if I was going to try to pair Spee with one of our veterans to try to get somebody else, I would be looking at trying to pair him with somebody like. Not that I think anybody wants him or anything like that, but I, I would be trying to pair him with somebody like, I guess, I, I'd be trying to pair him with Blake, I guess. You know what I mean? But all these guys, because we're going to do this again on the next podcast about two different guys that I think could be on the trading block. Okay. Uh, they have very tradable contracts. Uh, all the All the contracts that, Troy Weaver has either signed or allowed to remain on the team with the exception of Blake Griffin are very tradable. So, uh, all right, well, we're going to take another quick break unless you have more on the trade balloon game. No, perfect. Uh, you're going to take your dub. So you're one and zero oh, as far as I'm okay. concerned in the, uh, uh, in the trade balloon game, not going to try to, you know, be a gentleman and say why I might've won. I get it. I get it. Uh, uh, okay, we're going to take a break, and then uh, we're going to take a little trip in the time machine. Dude, is that a Detroit basketball time machine? Yup, and we're getting in it.
Okay. It's January 17th, 1994. Just out of curiosity, where were you, Uncle Drew? Um, I was brewing. I was not born until August of 1994. So I was I was still in the, the holding tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Okay, anyway. It's January 17th. 1994, the team has a few promising young rookies, a dynamic scorer entering his prime, Terry Mills, a wily veteran leader who wasn't everything he used to be anymore, but fought night in and night out, Isaiah Thomas, and sure, they were bad. But it was a good time to be bad. You see, there were a few generational talents in the upcoming draft class, and a lot of reason to believe in brighter days ahead. Is this starting to sound a bit like our current Detroit Pistons? I could see that, yeah. Well, I can take it even further than that. One of the young rookies already on the 1994 team was an electric, undersized, score-first, defensive pest, and all-around gambler of a point guard named Lindsey Hunter. And I think that sounds an awful lot like our Saban Lee. So much so that until I see both of them in the same place at the same time playing basketball... I won't be convinced that they aren't actually the same man surfing the waves of time just to dribble with his head down, recklessly jumping passing lanes and dunking on seven-footers across generations. So did you watch that Lindsay tape I sent you? It was wonderful. And I I love what you're saying because from the notes I took, it was he dribbles with his head down. So that's that's perfect. (laughs) It's perfect. Yes, I did watch the tape. Oh, man. So I, I, I put it on Twitter. If you're listening to this right now, uh, it's what's today's date? It is January 17th. And sometime in the afternoon on January 17th, I put on Twitter, Emotown Pistons, uh, the videos that Drew and I will be talking about and referencing during this part of the podcast. So if you want to pause it and you want to go watch it's it's maybe... 15 minutes of essential viewing for understanding it as well as I'm trying to, you know, maybe we understand it or maybe even better than we understand it. You don't have to go watch it though. It's, this is all just for fun. But anyway, those are on Twitter. You can go find them. Uh, Again, uh, emo town pistons, capital E, capital T, capital P. And we do stuff like this on on Twitter that we don't always get to do on the podcast every now and then when we don't have a game for a couple of days, I'll do a piston, Piston of the past from the day. And one of them was Lindsey Hunter, which is one of the things that gave me this idea when we were watching uh, Saban Lee play against the Bucks when he got into his first like real NBA action. Some of what he was doing out there, it reminded me of Lindsey Hunter. And then in the last game against the Bucks, he went for this dribble with his head down, trying to dunk on, I think it was Brooke Lopez. And it just, it just, it just, it didn't work out. <laughs> but in my mind, I just loved the gumption to go for that. Brooke Lopez is a no joke seven footer. He's one of those seven footers, one of those centers on defense, especially like that Charles Barkley talks about that, that Shaq talks about when they talk about old school, big men and stuff like and, and examples of them still being in the league. He's like, well, you know, Brooke Lopez, he can, He can bang down there, down low and stuff. So he tried to go against one of the legitimate trees left in the league in in his rookie year. 
at six foot two, 183 pounds. And Lindsey Hunter was six foot two and 170 pounds in his rookie year coming out of college. Uh, and tried to do stuff like that all the time. In the in the video I sent you, Drew, how many times did he take it one-on-five against the entire San Antonio Spurs team? You know, the biggest point that I got from him was that he got a lot of second-chance points. But they came from his own errant passes or missed <laughs> shots. They all came from his own. He'd throw the ball and it would bounce off a defender. And he would just grab it and just drive the lane and just try to throw it down. Yep. I loved him for it. I was seven years old, I think. I was, yeah, I was seven years old. Uh, Lindsey Hunter was one of my favorite players in the NBA. Uh, I loved uh, Charles Barkley as well, was one of my favorite players in the NBA. I loved Shaq. A quick little anecdote about me. The first time that I ever heard the song Love Shaq by the B-52s, I thought that they were talking about Shaq because no, in my mind, no. the only, the only Shaq, no, in my <laughs> mind, the only Shaq that there was, I was a kid, Drew, the only Shaq that there was, was Shaq. It was not a name for some ramshackle house. Like, no, 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 no. A building in a woods, like, that was, that was a house. It wasn't a Shaq. The only, the, the, they loved Shaq. And I loved Shaq too, and as a result, I loved that song. That is a that is a true story from from my childhood. Just so, know, everybody that is listening, that Matt does all of the editing for this. He does have an opportunity to edit that out before it goes up, but I'm sure he's going to keep. He has to keep it, by the way. You oh, have yeah, to keep, keep it, it. But goodness gracious, it. that's funny. That's so awesome. <laughs> So th- those are who I loved at, at that age. And I also loved Lindsey Hunter um, and, and uh, his, his partner hit the other rookie guard on the team at the time was Allen Houston and Allen Houston didn't stay in Detroit for very long. And, and that's always been one of those kind of things that you think about and they didn't feel like they could pay him or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what all went into him going to the Knicks. I, I know it was a contract thing. I know it was a money thing, but there's some highlights of those two being rookies together and just Allen Houston at the time could throw down. It just, it was a special young team with an old man whose body was falling apart and wasn't what he used to be anymore. And Terry Mills out of Michigan, three years, maybe four years fresh off of winning a national championship. Averaging 18 points a game, getting his first real chance to be the primary option, scoring the ball on a team. He kind of sounds like Jeremy Grant a little bit to me. He doesn't play anything like Jeremy Grant. It, it's it's a it's a narrative thing. But uh, back to back to Lindsay and Saban Lee though. Did you watch the Saban Lee footage that of I course. sent you? I, I had watched Saban Lee play in college actually, but I did watch the videos that you had sent. How much, honestly, just, just before I even get into my whole thing about it, how much does he remind you of Lindsey Hunter? Am you I know on what's the funny right track? is I didn't ever think about it until you had said something. You know, like when like, you're not sure if you hear something and someone's like, no, this is what it sounds like. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah, it does. It actually does sound exactly like that. That's the lyric to that song that I've been singing wrong this whole time. 
Mm -hmm. I feel like you just told me the correct lyric and I didn't even realize that I've been saying the wrong thing the whole time. Awesome. That's perfect. Because they both attack the rim with abandon. Absolutely no regard for what's going to happen to them or whether the shot's even going to go down. I can't tell you. They don't know where they're going to land. They just know where they're going. And I can't even tell you. Can't even tell you the amount of times I watched Lindsey Hunter go up for some gigantic dunk and it just went Karanging off the back iron and just damn near to the rafters in the palace. Like that was a regular occurrence to watch. Like Ben Wallace used to miss a lot of dunks and we used to laugh about it, but nobody I think has missed more dunks in a Detroit Pistons uniform than Lindsey Hunter. I, I don't think anybody has. They were probably betting out in it in Vegas. <laughs> they they might have been. He 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 didn't care, man. He he could care less. He had extreme confidence. Reckless abandon, reckless abandon. And I see the same thing with Saban Lee. And, and, and the, when I watch Saban, the ability to change direction on a twitch with the basketball, he doesn't have some kind of Rucker Park handle or anything like that. I'm not trying to make it sound like he does, but he's one of those players that he, he changes. He's super twitchy and he changes direction at, at, at just a second's notice. It, and, and on defense – just in watching, like, you watch the game against Bama. He had 38 points. He was on a losing team, mind you. you know, and, and, and everybody in college kind of has something to play for because they're trying to get to the next level. Sure. But Vandy, they, they were not a good team, right? So he's on a losing team, and he's, uh, he's got 38 points. He's taking these weird little chances on defense, trying to jump into the passing lanes, trying to pressure the ball. It just, it reminds me so much of Lindsay. They're the same size. Like I've already said, they're both six foot two. They're both 170 plus pounds. Uh, they're both gamblers. And, and Saban, just like Lindsay is, I think Saban is actually better than Lindsay Hunter when it comes to this one thing in particular, which is drawing contact and getting to the free throw line and contorting his body at the rim to make some of those shots count. Cause that's one thing that is another thing that gets a little bit, you know, Lindsay Hunter never averaged more than 14 points a game. The pace was a little bit slower at that point in time in the NBA. Yeah. There's a stat out there for the, the kind of adjusts uh, tells you how much, like what a scoring average in a particular era, a particular year, what to multiply it by to get the, like modern day equivalent. Mm -hmm. So his 14 points a game might be something more like 17 points a game or something like that. I don't think it's going to go that high. I mean, he was 10 and five. I mean, he went, he had a good, he was very good. That's, that's the whole thing. But he also was wildly inconsistent at times. Like I talk about missing the dunks and I talk about, uh, you know, I mentioned that, but the other thing is like, he would get into the lane and you kind of mentioned it. He would shoot up a really, bad shot for anybody else that Lindsey Hunter might actually be able to get to go. It wouldn't fall. And then he might be the guy who actually wound up with that loose ball because of how high his motor is. And he would get an easier lane. He had a, well, a lot, lot of the times he didn't get it. Yeah, he, of course. And that's what helped him out so much on defense. It wasn't just that he was a gambler when he was younger, he was absolutely a pest and a gambler on defense. As he got older, he became a better defensive player 
even if he wasn't as freakishly athletic as he used to be, he was a better on ball defender. He had a better sense of where watching guys hips and watching their shoulders and things like he was a better, less of a gambler, less of like leaning on his freak athleticism and more a wily defender as he got older and a better defender possibly. But at this time he was absolutely just, he was so much of a gambler. It, he, he was always just had this motor going, like you said, that's where that's again, something I see with Saban when you, in the limited minutes that we've gotten to see Saban Lee has a motor. He has a reckless abandon in the NBA, even threw up a couple of brick threes didn't seem to let it bother him too much. No. Um, what's that? No, no. He just he just seemed happy to be out there. He's yeah. He's just, and, it's, it's Lindsey Hunter. He's just happy to be in the moment. And, and and that's the other thing about him. He he doesn't seem to need. I mean, eventually he will. He will need to succeed. But it's good to know that he doesn't need to succeed to be engaged. I, I've I've brought that up about a couple players. That it's something that. It's bad when you don't see it, and it's really good when you do. Doesn't mean they're going to be a great player, but I've, I've really, I've ever, I've yet to see a truly great player who isn't engaged when the game isn't going well for them. He wasn't like a, an all-time great type player, but he was a very good defender. He was a very good, he had a lot of, he had a lot of confidence. He was a very good young player, very athletic, could jump out of the gym for a guy his size. There's not a there's not a whole lot of guys at six foot two that can dunk the ball like that, and it's something Saban Lee is all, actually he's kind of better at. He's more athletic in that like vertically than even Lindsey Hunter was, which is really saying something. And both of them are very good cutters. Saban Lee plays really well off the ball. I and with his ability to go vertical and his really long wingspan. I think that he has the ability to play two guard, even at six foot three. I don't know if you would start him there, but what I'm saying is he has the ability to play there. I think he should be playing more. Honestly, I think the only thing that's holding Saban back is that well, it's playing time. That's it. And so it's one of the reasons I, I bring him up this week is because I think we're going to see a little bit more of him with the five games and eight nights this week. And that's that's what we're kind of hoping for, you know. He, uh, yeah, I, I see the similarities with him and Lindsey Hunter. I think Hunter had a long, a longer career for what his averages were. I mean, he was a good role player, but I think the, the reason that he played in the NBA so long was one we talked about his hustle. But again, his athleticism allowed him to. I mean, again, we talk about a guy. When I watch the videos that you were sending me, I'm like. I'm looking at the way that he's dribbling the ball. It's like, I've seen somebody dribble like that before. Who do I know that dribbles like that? This is not a joke. It, it's going to sound like a joke. It was kids. He was dribbling with his head down. I didn't realize it at first. I was trying to pair him to an NBA player. Mm -hmm. like, How do I know somebody that dribbles like that? It's children. <laughs> so he wasn't necessarily <laughs> the, but, but he was so athletic. And that's why his career yeah. was so long. And, and again, he had hops. He could get up. So I, you yeah. Know, did you did you see the alley oop? Yeah, I'm course. sure you've seen yes. it before. But did you see the alley oop with like zero point three seconds? Yeah, and he won the game. It was like backwards. He he jumped and just flipped it over his back, and it, it just dropped right in. It was insane. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. Uh, I love it.
I love it, man. You know, I, I grew up with that highlight. You know what I mean? And, and so this is who I see when I see Saban Lee. It's why you might hear me be very high on him on, like, during the podcast. It's, this is who I see. And, and this is a guy who I would love to have on my team. You, he may not – the sad thing is he may not be on our team. We're a little bit stacked at guard. But like I said, not stacked in the sense that, like, done or anything. We just have a lot of them, I guess is what I mean. And it might be hard for him to get minutes. And, but that's really what's holding him back. That and maybe a little bit of his three ball. But he's proved that he can play well off the ball. That's the other thing about Lindsey. Uh, he played with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and Grant Hill and spent a lot of his career as a Detroit Piston off the ball. It's why his assist numbers are so low. It's not because he wasn't a good playmaker. It's because he spent a lot of his career off the ball. And that's just the way it goes. And he was an excellent cutter. And if you watch Saban Lee in college, he's an excellent cutter. And he is a lob threat, a lob threat at six foot two. It's just, I, I just hope he gets to play more. That's my pro. I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, like not this episode, but like this podcast, I said at the very beginning of this whole thing that I thought that Saban Lee would be an NBA player for a long time. And I stand by that. I, I still think he will be. Well, tune in next week where we jump back into the time machine where Matt compares Wayne Ellington to Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like, I like Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> I hate. I hate you. I think. Uh, no, that's no. That's I, I'm sure of that. Uh, uh, but. Uh, but no, I, I hope it's here. I, I really do. I, I think Saban Lee has a chance to be an NBA player for a long time. I, I really hope that it's here as, with the Detroit Pistons. It, it'd be hard to see him in a Spencer Dinwiddie situation or a Chris Middleton situation where we get a guy in the second round that we believe in that nobody else, not nobody else did. That's an exaggeration. But the Pistons had a first round grade. On I think all three of those guys, they had a first round grade on Chris Middleton. They had a first round grade for, I know for a fact on Spencer Dinwiddie, because Stan Van Gundy talked about it a bunch that he had a first round grade on Spencer. You think he's thinking about you? Uh, No, but I'm thinking about him. Both of them. Both of them. Stan. Seriously. Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would really hate to see it turn. Uh, Troy came out. He said that he had a first round grade on Saban Lee, and that's that's why they took him. You know, and uh, I would hate to see another situation where we have a first round grade on a guy, and it seems like he ends up being worthy of some sort of first round pick. But we got him in the second, but he doesn't he doesn't mature for us or he doesn't become that player that he ends up becoming for us. That would be a little bit of a bummer for me. One last thing though, about the 1993, 94 Detroit Pistons. I talked about how it was a really bad year, but I talked about how it was a good year to be bad because there were a couple of generational players coming up in the draft. You remember when I said I that? Do. I do remember this. Well, the very next, the, the player, the, the generational player we ended up getting was Grant Hill. 
and people can talk all they want about how that didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. You got five years, I think, I think five whole years of really excellent basketball out of Grant Hill. The Pistons never won anything. I understand that. But you got five years of really good basketball out of Grant Hill. That didn't – he was a generational player. The, the injuries, all that stuff, the fact that it wasn't in Detroit. Grant Hill still inadvertently brought a championship to the Detroit Pistons. So my point is we've got a couple of players. I can't say that Cade Cunningham and uh, – what's the other dude's name? Jalen Suggs. I can't say that that's Grant Hill and Jason Kidd. You know what I mean? That's two Hall of Fame players, and that's a weird thing to put on a guy who you're not even sure at the end of the day is going to be number one pick type material, number two pick type material. But that's kind of what I'm getting at, is this season is very similar to that season because we've got an opportunity to get a type of player that very well could change the franchise around Killian Hayes be damned. I mean, maybe they play together. Maybe you draft Cade Cunningham and he's, I mean, don't you think that like if, if Grant Hill with his skill set, his passing, his ball handling at six foot eight, sometimes I think the only reason he played small forward in the NBA when he came in was because they just didn't know what to do with six foot eight point guards. There'd only been a couple of them. Yeah. Now Grant Hill is a, He's, he's a different type of animal. When you look at, like, people wanting to buy old-school jerseys, everybody wants that purple uh, Vince Carter Raptors jersey. But everybody mm-hmm. also wants that turquoise Pistons jersey with the horse on the front, and it's always Grant Hills. It's always yeah, Grant Yeah, I Hills. mean, that was the one to have, yeah. you know? Uh, it, it's uh, – I, I don't want to say that Cade Cunningham reminds me of Grant Hill. That's, I don't want to say that, like, but I might be kind of saying that he's a six foot eight point guard who could play off the ball, who can shoot probably better, possibly better than Grant could at this point in time in his career. Definitely better than he could when he was at Duke. Just from an outside shooting standpoint, mm-hmm. it, it just, it, it's tempting to make these types of comparisons but the ultimate comparison is that it's a good year to be bad. It's a good year to be bad. It's a, it's a good year to be bad. <laughs> so maybe we just should be bad. And that should, we should just be happy about You know that. the easiest way we to be bad? Our young players. Play the young guys. Trade Derek Rose and Seko Demboya for Markel Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and and maybe that that will be what happens. It's 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 totally Take impossible. Take a pick from the Magic too. Grab one of the Magic's picks. Get a second rounder out of it. You know, maybe. Yeah. Oh, totally. And maybe get another guy who's, uh, you know, you've got a first round grade on that most of the rest of the league doesn't, and and maybe it works out. Second round picks. It seems like there's one in every draft, maybe even two, that end up being. Oh, he should have got picked in the first round. They may not be a great player, but you look at it, you go, oh, this guy should have Yeah, this guy's getting good rotational It seems like that happens. Yeah, it seems like that happens every time. We had one in Bruce Brown, another guy who we drafted in the second round that we had a first-round grade on. Most of the rest of the league didn't. He's not here anymore. And he's contributing 
legitimate significant minutes uh, over in, in New Jersey. Like he really is right now. So it's uh, he wasn't to start the season and people were, you know, talking about that on Twitter a lot, but he is right now. And they're talking about that on Twitter a lot. Yeah, There's a lot more talking about uh, that now. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, Hey, we can, uh, we can time machine on back to the future here and uh, talk about the uh, Boston Celtics. Oh, the future sucks. Do you know why the future sucks? Tell me. Because the Celtics game postponed Sunday and Tuesday against the Bulls, and then Wednesday against the Orlando Magic, and the only game they played this week was a Jason Tatumless Knicks game where they got blown out by 30 points. Oh, and it was beautiful. It sucked. It was so man, beautiful. I, one see. game this season, man. A single game, and or this season, this week. I they they've had four, they had four straight games postponed. That's crazy, and I, I don't know what's going to end up happening in the NBA, and it it's really starting to to kind of make me nervous. But yeah, the the one game they played, they got blown out by thirty points. Man, the Knicks though, they're. They're real. Oh man, uh, what's that? Julius what's that rookie? Randall is real, not. Man. What's what's who's their good rookie? Oh man, I don't pay attention to the Knicks. <laughs> it's Emmanuel quickly, and it's not Obi Toppin. Oh, That's you're the answer right. to that question. question. So maybe we dodged a bullet with you Obi. Calm Toppin. down, remember, Julius Randall is playing amazing basketball right now, and he's taking the highlight and all the plays and everything from everybody else. Obi Toppin's still going to be a good player. Mark my words. I was texting Drew on draft night. And when Obi Toppin was still there, I was like, are we going to get Obi? Are we going to get Obi? And I was getting really excited because he, he dunks a lot and stuff, I guess. And I'm a sucker. <laughs> but uh, we took Killian and then I drank all that Kool-Aid that was available. I drank all the Killian Hayes Kool-Aid that I could find. And I'm still trying to... To dr- continue and you know to what? drink it, despite and now the, you're here uh, talking about the hip injuries. So. Right. <laughs> when we had a couple of young rookies, they were guards, they were dynamic. I don't know that Killian Hayes fits that bill. I don't. I don't know what to think of him. You know, I, I really don't. I, I want to be. I want to be optimistic. I want to be optimistic. Uh, I'm still concerned that we never saw him beat anybody off the dribble ever. And, and we've seen Saban Lee and his couple of minutes, his short couple of minutes, beat people off the dribble, get to the hole, and try to make something happen for himself. We've seen that. So, uh, and just like Lindsey Hunter, though, that's not always the right play. And I don't know that, you know, that's, that was kind of the crux of Lindsey's young career, was that he didn't know, he didn't always know when to not do that, man. And I don't – hopefully Saban will not only get the three-point jumper down, which kind of like would strengthen that comparison even more because Lindsey was, when he wanted to be, deadly from three-point range. Um, but, yeah, man, it's – I'm worried about Killian. I wish I had one of these to do about Killian that was positive. I'm worried we're going to be next year. You and me, we're going to do a Detroit basketball time machine back to 2002 when we drafted Rodney White with a lottery oh. pick and he just never We don't played. have enough time tonight to talk about Rodney White. <laughs> <laughs> and who else? It was a bad draft, but there were other people available. So, uh, well, hey, uh, 
next week. We're going to have to talk about a bunch of games. We're going to have to talk about a bunch of stuff. I hope you guys come back and listen to that. We'll do better. We can listen to Drew's funny accent some more. Uh, we can maybe, maybe we'll take another trip in the time machine. We definitely, absolutely will have another trade. Yes, but balloon. we'll get back on, onto the hot balloon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this time I'm gonna get my. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the W this time. You can try. I'm. I'm gonna pick. This time I'm gonna pick first. Who I'm defending. I'm gonna get first pick because I'm going in with the loss. That's right. So not only am I get. Not only am I picking the dudes, but I'm gonna pick which one. And, I and get I'll to go defend. first, and you can go second. So I, so I don't get the recency bias. That seems fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Buddy. Thanks for well, listening, hey, guys. Take it easy.